Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ask Interview Series. Today, we have Tanya Hockboss on the show. She's the head of growth and marketing at Accompany.com. Accompany's awesome. I use it every day. It's trying to be your chief of staff so that everyone has someone that can help them get prepared for a meeting, know everything about the people you're meeting with, as well as news about all of your contacts so that, you know, there's all these different social networks and news outlets all over. But I really just want to know what Tanya is up to. So tell me everything about her. One of my favorite products. I use it daily. I'm so excited to have her on the show. Welcome, Tanya. All right. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Are you in the city? I am. Thank you for coming by. Do you go down south every day? Uh, three days a week. Uh, okay. Three to four days. Yeah. And then Fridays, you work wherever? Yeah, I work at a little co-working space on, uh, on Fillmore. Awesome. What is it called? It's called Canopy. Like it? I love it. It's um, it's designed by Eve Behar. It's got like Heath tiles Who's everywhere. Who's that? Who's that person? He's a really famous industrial designer, and um, hmm. yeah, the space is ridiculous. The light, you just want to work there. Yeah, yeah. Lighting's everything. Are you nervous? A little bit. Yeah. Why? First <laughs> podcast. Funny. It's funny because I've been I um, I was I did improv right, and so you'd think talking like you just presenting or performing. I have no problem with that, but talking about myself is uh is vulnerable yeah. i don't i'm not used to doing we'll that. just tell some stories you don't have to be it's good to be vulnerable so first off last name stanford website says sound like a loogie <laughs> and it says hawk boss is that right hawk boss and then it says you like to play hawks and bossy people in improv is that true <laughs> no i think i was just trying to be funny and it, no that's not true <laughs> Where are you? bossy for sure bossy yes hawks i don't know but oh. but bossy it's I on like... the internet <laughs> there's not a lot of about you on the internet so the things i found i was like hawks and bossy this is very interesting <laughs> yeah I, I don't put much on the internet it's good but you're building a stalker tool yes exactly isn't that funny it's interesting. that's right because i'm a wire <laughs> I like to consume from the internet, but I don't put much out on there. So this is like, this is one of these things that's like different. I was actually very sad. I went to your Pinterest board and it was like books I love to read and there were none. And I was like, oh, sad day. <laughs> and all you have is two Christmas trees pinned. And I was just like, what is happening? And I happening? didn't realize they were public. <laughs> that was a Pinterest growth hack back in the day. I was like, why did I just pin a tree? <laughs> well, it's still live, by the way. Just FYI. I, some of my friends told me I got to go over and move that thing. Right. Basically, I try every social media thing. Like I just try it and my husband works at Twitter and I worked in one of Jack's companies, but I don't square, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. And so I don't, I don't actively use social media really. <laughs> it's great. It's like, it just adds to this mystique. It's like, <laughs> nope, blank there. There's nothing here to see. That's amazing. Where are you from? I'm from, well, that's a complicated story. I'm from Silicon Valley. We, we have plenty of time. We have so. time. So I was born in, uh, on Stanford campus. My parents were both grad students. My dad's from Iran and my mom's from Brazil, and they met there. And um, I lived there on campus. At Stanford Hospital? At Stanford Hospital. I was there two weeks ago. That place is like a five-star resort. <laughs> I, there was like valet. They were like, welcome. There's like a party. I was like, I'm getting surgery today. Like, what is going on? I, it's, I mean... I don't think it was that, that fancy when I was born. I mean, Stanford was always Stanford, yeah, but yeah. like it's just gotten out of this world in the last 10 years. I just went to the business school recently too. When I was an undergrad, it was, you know, the building was kind of, you know, more modest, obviously not compared to other places, but for Stanford business school it was kind of a dump. Yeah. Sorry, Stanford. Um, uh -huh. But but now it's like, it's stunning. It's, they've done, they spent so much money on that campus. So anyways, parents born at Stanford and then where? 
And then I moved to Brazil when I was three. Um, so I lived there till I was about six years old. Is Portuguese um, your first language? It is, yeah. Huh. It's my first language. It's not my most fluent language. <laughs> Got it. Um, so I don't speak it with an accent, but when I speak enough Portuguese, people are like, "What's?" She does not conjugate all the verbs correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so you come back to English. They're like, uh, "Something's wrong here." Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a little bit when I'm like, "Oh no, I'm I'm Californian." It's it's identity issues in us. Yeah. Interesting. And so, after living there, when did you move here? I moved uh, back to the Bay Area when I was six and basically was raised here. Um, and then I uh, went to Stanford, stayed in the Bay Area, left for business school for a couple of years and just came back. So I'm Can't kind of a away. Bay Area girl. Yeah. You're all in? I'm all in. I, I don't know. I'm never all in. Always a traveler, like love to travel. But um, there's, yeah, this place is so, it's just becoming more vibrant yeah. um, increasingly. And there's so much going on here. I've yeah. tried to leave. I've tried to leave. Where then, did you try to go? So my husband and I went to Sao Paulo um, in 2012. Um, Brazilian economy, before it like, went down the shitter. Um, and the Brazilian economy was so hot. All of my business school classmates, the Europeans, were all starting businesses in Brazil because um, Europe was had fallen apart. And I said, well, I'm a Brazilian. You know, I've never worked there. Like, let's go. Let's go do this thing. So I was talking to a bunch of entrepreneurs and investors and trying to figure out what, what business I would build. And meanwhile, my husband took a consulting job um, it, at, down there. And we were there for a few months and it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. And I'm, he, my husband said, this feels like a bubble. And um, he's like, we left San Francisco. Everyone's like, why are you leaving San Francisco to come to Sao Paulo? Um, and, and so we came back and um, like literally the next month, what year is this? It's 2012, end of 2012. Wow. So all of the corruption, all of the Petrobras scandals, all of these things kind of just started unwinding. And um, and now the Brazil, it's just so sad, the crisis that the country's in from a political standpoint, economic standpoint. And yeah, it's just such a, such a shame. That country's been up and down so many times. Yeah, yeah. So I have a question about this part of your life, the Portuguese living in Brazil, coming back here. You said, this is a quote that you, I don't know if you even wrote it, but a quote that I found on the internet. You said, Portuguese always starts with no, even if you agree. Tell me more. Why? Uh, why does it do that? I mean, why so does it do Because you said, I struggle yeah, with being a devil's advocate exa exactly, because of this. Exactly. So no, no. When, when people are talking, they say, no, é porque da 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 da. No, it's because, no, it's because even when they, so the response you, to everything is no, is no, like huh. when you're, you're so excited about something that you build on top of it by saying no, because blah, blah, blah. But it's, why are you, someone, someone called me on it at Stanford, actually, um, a friend, Brent Shulkin, who is an entrepreneur and huh. you might know him. Um, and he said, Tanya, why are you, why are you starting <laughs> your agreement with a no? That's really jarring. Huh. And I was really glad he told me that I had, I had no awareness. That are that you was always aware of it now? Always. I hear Brazilians doing it. Huh. Do you, what, do you find anything? So here's, I've actually, the last probably nine months, I don't know why, I, I felt myself saying it, but then I look around and it's one of the, like, it's called Bader Meidoff syndrome, where once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like you see it everywhere. <laughs> and so mine of that was the problem with that. So whenever someone has an idea, people are talking. Yes. The first response is people go, well, the problem with that is, and I'm like, if someone says a problem and I'm like, I'm like, well, the problem, I'm like, why am I saying the problem with that? I was like, fuck. And I get so mad. And like, now I just like, I'll call it out to like always. I'm like, why? I mean, what if we did that? 
And I'm, it's, it's been really hard though. It, especially if you have people around you who I, I'm a parrot. So again, because I'm, I'm a cultural mishmash, I yeah, just yeah. sort of, I started getting a fake Southern accent. I don't know if you noticed when we were talking about country music, the first time we met, <laughs> yeah. I started suddenly having a Southern drawl and I was like, where the hell is this coming from? I do that. I do that. <laughs> if you, I talk to support customer support, I like suddenly can have a, like a, you know, Mexican accent. My husband's <laughs> from Mexico. And so like, I could just, I just feel like happened. that's like a chameleon. I'm like, <laughs> you were just saying that you come back and your pronunciation is off when you're speaking Portuguese. I feel like I go to Nashville and I come back and I'm like, what's up y'all? How y'all doing? Yeah, how y'all doing? And, yeah. I was talking to you when you're in cab in Nashville. So you had a little, you had a little thing going too. And oh, so you're I, right. I was leaving Franklin, Tennessee and I was like, How, what's up? Oh, you my just, gosh. you just performed. Yeah. And so We're going back this week is actually, Oh, cool. Yeah. So, but so next week, if we talk, I'll have not how I'm talk, talking now. If we talk, talk. <laughs> so I'm already like, I'm like, if we talk next week, I'll cool. tell you what. Oh my gosh. Oh, God, terrible. Um, sorry for all my Southern friends for that. Um, attempt at cool. Um, but yeah, but basically because that, because of you, maybe you have the same thing is that I think we just take ticks or ways that people talk around us. And so I have a woman that I'm working with. Um, and she says, uh, can I just say something before she says something that's a, and I've been doing that. And I'm like, why am I, why am I saying that? That's not, but so sometimes I think of culturally in yeah. a company, for example, you say the problem with that is if someone does that, who has a strong voice, then it suddenly becomes a, sort of like a meme. Oh, for sure. Um, and so it's hard to unlearn that. And I think everything gets mimicked. Everything and is it the bigger you get, the more it just stems down. Yeah. And no one even realizes it. How do you, so how do you call it out? What do you do? Work or life or, you know, with your kids or so whatever? It's actually, it's really interesting. I think this is one of the improv. Um, so I asked my husband to call me, my husband's like the best uh, mirror for me. And he huh. calls me out on things that I do, or I ask him to tell me if I'm doing something or, you know, um, friends or people. I always find a peer. If, if I find I'm doing something that I don't like, I, I always have a, a buddy who I say, Hey, will you tell me if I do this? Someone on my team, someone who reports to me. Yeah. Like, I like to have these correcting mechanisms, but one of the things in improv too is, um, learning to play low status roles. So just, and then being able to be quite high status and just being mm. able to play that range. Um, so then, you know, it's always, it's just modulation and, and, so give yourself a challenge of take take a thing you want to stop doing and just 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 try it and have someone be your police. So to so yeah. always have a police. I think a police for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm a I'm a social being. I do better with people, with teams, with humans, and that's why I like to play improv because it's it's a it's a play Interesting. together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually learned that I'm just terrible doing anything for myself. Like if I'm not <laughs> responsible for someone else, I'm probably not going to do it. And like, once I knew that, I was like, shit, like, like there's a lot. I'm like, why am I out of shape? Well, don't have a girlfriend. Like it's like this push pull. So with this, you bring up improv and you said the thing that changed your life was saying yes. And that was all because of saying yes to this improv class. Who was the person that got you to say yes to the improv class? Do you remember it? Why did you say yes to it? So my dad gave me a book from Keith Johnstone, which is, um, who is like kind of the canonical improv guy and, um, Keith Johnstone, Keith Johnstone. Yeah. And so he, I'm like, I'm totally blanking on the name, which is ridiculous, but it's basically called, it's called impro, I think. And it's about improv. And so when I was in high school, high school, he gave me a copy 
same way he, he handed me a tattered set of copies of Ayn Rand books, which is not very popular to say to all your friends, but it's true. I loved my Ayn Rand books when I was 15. I mean, I like, think a lot of people start there and love those books. Yeah, that when you're sure. 15, right? Yeah, yeah, like, totally. it's fine. And, but anyway, I was. We don't have to get of, into politics. It's cool. <laughs> Go on. But I was one of those people. And my dad also had this tattered impro book, and I kind of like flipped through it and. And it was really interesting to me. Um, and I was kind of liked theater and did debate and whatever. But when I was in, at Stanford, um, there was a class on improv. And I don't remember who. I think it was um, just some of the different students were talking about it. And so I, you know, applied to take the class and got in the class. There was a wait list for it. And um, Patricia Madsen was the teacher. And I mean, just stunning. And it's this, this incredibly vulnerable place where people yeah. just let themselves go. Do you still do it today? I don't. That's, it's a, it's just time. I mean, because you need to have a troop and you need, I mean, it's frankly, when it comes down to it, if you want to do anything, you can do it. It's yeah. just prioritization, like my kid between work and my kids and my kid and a half. Um, it's, uh, Congrats. Yeah. thank you. So here's what I struggle with all the time. Your motto is say yes. So then what do you say no to? And how do you, what is the filter through which you decide to say no? Because oh, so what you say no to is you know, a lot of things, but yeah. how do you decide to say no? Like, how do you think about what you say yes to in a, in a mindset of, I really want to just say yes. Yeah, totally. Um, that's, that's a really good question. Um, so for me, this, maybe this isn't the, I don't know if there's a way you're supposed to do things, but the I don't way think that, there's a way to do anything. So in here, life. I think we just all, we just it make up. it up. So the way, here's the way I've made it up is that there's a time like in brainstorming, for example. So I worked in design, right? I, did, I worked frog. at frog and I got it um, all right here. There's a whole timeline. McKinsey, American <laughs> Express, Frog, Square, a company. There you go. Great. Go. Nice. Um, so when I was at Frog, so basically when you do brainstorm or anything like that, you go say yes, right? Your brain, you wear a white hat. We call it white hat. You go big. You literally big. wear a white hat. No, no, that would be weird. But like we don't wear a white hat, but we call it white hat oh. versus black hat thinking. Got it. Got um, it. <laughs> so white hat is expansive. It's allowing uh, new ideas to come in. And, um, and so you say, yes, so you build and, and that's where new, great, excellent things come. But at some point you leave the stage, um, you need to decide what am I going to actually spend money on? Like I'm, I, I work in business, right? Like I, like I can't invest in everything and it's not hire everyone and say yes to everything and everyone, like you have to make choices. So I think first to get generate the most awesome set of things that you could be doing, you say, yes, you build, you create. At some point you have to filter. That's where you say no. And so you create your list of criteria by which you're trying to make a decision. And then um, you got to filter and you got to say, this is how many things we can do. And so we have to say no to some. And we just, I like to use ideally some sort of rational decision-making process. Here's a list of things we're going to do. So my husband and I, like, but when we were debating between San Francisco and Sao Paulo, we literally made the list of things that we care about in life. And, um, or in this, in the next three years of our lives, right? We said, okay, here are the things we're trying to optimize for and in rank order. And then we gave each city a score cause it helped, hmm. <laughs> it helped us maybe. And did you go with the score? We're both McKinsey, Fort McKinsey. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So you go with the score, you see what the score is. And if you don't agree with it, you change the things until you get the score you want. So ultimately it's like all kind of validating some sort of an intuition or yeah. gut, but it's like placebo. Uh, it's like, I feel good about it. Uh, but you just, yeah, it's, um, yeah, but I think you're right. Like, I think that there are times when you say yes and checking myself to make sure that, that I'm putting in enough time to say yes and making moments for those explorations and things like that. And then say no when it's the time to say no. Totally. 
So you did this at Stanford. You also went to Harvard. Yes. And so that's like the opposite of my college. What, I went to Western Illinois University. I, I dated my ex girlfriend was from Stanford. I used to tell her grandma I went to Stanford of the Midwest, and she would get so confused. She was like, "What really?" Northwestern like, no. got really mad about that. Yeah, exactly. Like no, I, and I'm like farm field Western. Western's great. It was a great school to hang out at. Awesome. Um, but I'm always really curious now. So someone that went to the best schools in the world, and you have a kid on the way, and and another, so two kids, maybe more. It's in the future. That, yeah. And what are they, what are you going to tell them to do when they're 18? And what are you going to set them up for now in, a, in the world we see it today? Yeah. What do we teach our kids? Oh, it's, and it's, yeah. so I was going to say, so I've become obsessed with this lately around, uh, there was a talk, one of my favorite Gladwell talks I've ever heard is in the last like three months. And I'm not even a big Gladwell fan in general, but, uh, you know, it's books are entertaining, but I never think like, oh, this is a crazy thing. He did this talk though about, how if he wanted to save Harvard, he would embrace mediocrity. And he said that people think there's opportunity and exclusivity at the same end when they're at two different ends of a spectrum and that people believe uh, it's false. He argues it's false that opportunity only comes from exclusivity and opportunity actually comes from exploring the world. Mm -hmm. And then exclusivity happens at the end of that. But then you put people that are 99 percentile, the best in the world, with the 99.9 percentile, and there's all these studies of all these math students and quitting because they're the best yes. with the single best, and they then feel like they're bad. Yes. And so my question is, um, one, do you feel this way going to the best schools? Do you want your kids to go to the best schools? And if they did... In what areas do you think we need to spend time focusing to set all of our children up for like success in the future? Yeah, this is something my husband and I talk a lot about because he's, um, we talk about what is the future of college and university in general because sure. we have this debate and, I, and we say in 18 years when, when our son is, you know, uh, or maybe I guess 16 years when our son's getting ready to go to college, is there going to be a, this notion of college? And is it... Um, and, and we debate, will Stanford exist? And, and for the record, I think, yes, it for may sure. look different. Um, and it, but some of the colleges may go away. And what's amazing is like the ability now with all of this technology for you to just be a self teacher. So with YouTube, with, you know, just YouTube period, but then you go to yeah. Udacity, Udemy, like all these other, you know, Coursera, all these education platforms. I think, um, I think what's important to teach our kids is curiosity and persevere well first of all of course like social skills like be a good human um not being selfish not being ungrateful i think gratitude is so important and one of the things i'm seeing with my son right now is um just patience so now you can stream anything so he wants to watch garbage trucks on youtube um like or whatever you know music thing and he wants it right away or on spotify he can get whatever song he wants right away when i was a kid there was the radio and like whatever came on, that's what came on. And maybe there was a tape and we had to re rewind it. So you had to wait at least for the thing to be rewinded or fast forwarded, <laughs> right? Totally. But, but now it's instant. And so um, he doesn't have to wait. And we look at her, each other and we say, oh my God, we're, it, this is something we have to fight against because we don't want our kid to mm. be, it's just like, 
just can't like now, now, now stimulation. So I think teaching him not to have that and like that is not necessarily academic, but it's just like the human values of that, of kindness, of empathy, of, um, of gratitude and like service basically. So I think those things are all important. Those are not necessarily in school, but ideally that's the fabric from an academic standpoint, I think just curiosity. So you can go deep on so much now, like if he wants to go into, I don't know, like medieval classical literature, like like he can connect with the foremost world expert and watch like a Ted talk on it and it could be free. That's amazing. And so I just, I just want my children to, and I think children, I think if we can with technology, with the fact that you don't have to be next to someone anymore and that things can basically be free ish, like teaching people to be curious and be passionate and experiment, um, and, and just like be resourceful to, to be, to actually like leverage all the stuff that's out there. I have a question for you, please. That it's a little divergent on this, but it's related to what you just said on patience. Cause I love that. You said you did, he doesn't have to wait. You work in a world where your whole goal is on growth and it looks like we're in a world where anxiety is on the rise especially in youth, like my, one of our, like my biggest mentors in life, his daughter is 18 and struggles with a little bit of depression, but a lot of anxiety on now a little medication. And it's all around. Like, I, I can't keep up. I can't feel like I'm always feeling like I uh, am missing out on everything. Mm-hmm. And how do we balance teaching patience in a world that we're driven off teaching being addicted? <laughs> <laughs> kind of consumer yeah. technology is yeah. really like on one side is people are addicted to their phones on the other yeah. side is I'm doing great as a tech company yeah totally Do you struggle with it um yes and that's why when you were teasing me about my social media like I, I actually you know this this that's not me so I actually when I go home I, I put my phone away yeah. and in fact my husband and I so my husband works at Twitter and um and he is super into cons- consumption of content and tweeting and all that kind of stuff and um, one of the things that we decided was on, we did do this thing called Secular Sabbath. We're not Jewish, but um, <laughs> we, we, on Friday nights, um, especially in, in past times, we just um, turn off our phone all the way to Saturday night. And we literally, like, wow. we had dinner with friends. We'd be like, okay, we'll see you at the restaurant at this time. If you're late, we'll see you when you get there. Like, you know, if we're late, we'll be there soon, whatever. I mean, I remember just having a, a emergency car phone. Exactly. We were fine. I never used the damn thing. Exactly. Or pagers. <laughs> yeah. I never got one, but I always wanted I one. I think I'm back to paging. I like send emoji strings that people can't really understand. And I'm like, it's just like a pager. You should know what that means. <laughs> exactly. And like, just that's like, awesome. So you go Friday to Saturday night and you're off. It, we, we, we did, we did better about it in the past. And now I'd say we're sort of inconsistent, but, um, but that's the aspiration. That is our family goal. Cause sometimes wow. if you have, um, if you have like a deal going or you have something going on, um, I, actually the way that we handle it, I, if I'm in the middle of something, I say, Hey David, can you, that's my husband's name. Can you look at my, my email and see, is there anything related to this topic in there? And he, he doesn't get stressed out when he opens my email. And so he'll look at it and be like, oh, nope, nothing in there. And so I didn't have to check and get caught in the like, cause you see a random small email and then you start replying and then you get caught in a vortex of like instant, like trying to win the email game where you're like ahead of everyone. Yeah. And, and that's so dangerous. And so instead I give it to him, is there something immediate? No. Okay, good. And I do that for him too. So we have enough kind of um, trust and understanding of what's going on with each other that we can just kind of 
look and not stress ourselves out if we need to. But we try not to even have to do that. That's cool. And so then your sounds like your son is two years old. He's two, yeah. And so no technology yet. <laughs> Well, or like, is it, you like set an iPad up and babysitter iPad comes so, out? Like, yeah. where are we? At? I, I'm actually so, fascinated by like, at what age now? Because you know, I have a niece, and I never, I think like, oh, when you're 15, and then they're like six, like <laughs> sending me, like they don't even have to learn the QWERTY keyboard anymore in school. No, they, it's it's actually wild how smart they are with stuff. Um, our nephews and nieces too. I just see what they're doing, and it's like, whoa! I didn't even, well, I didn't. Even, they figure out like shortcuts and things that were designed like they figure out the ui um so with our kid our thing is um we like we'll let him watch 10 minutes here if we're both like doing dishes or something but i he he recently started becoming super addicted he wanted more time and he's been throwing these amazing two-year-old tantrums that are actually a little bit funny um and so like now we just said you know we're not doing any because this is creating a little a little monster as it is all he wants to do is listen to justin timberlake on repeat and so repeat repeat and so and he starts screaming for it it's crazy now and i said no it's mommy's turn to listen to his song huh. and you're i mean i just make him wait and listen to something else because he has to learn how to that wait proves that like pop music is just science <laughs> like it's it's manufactured science the it's trolls, like this will like, control the brain it will like yeah. justin timberlake is a genius. He has cra- like for so many reasons. I love Justin Timberlake, but he like has cracked it. Me too. It. I mean, you're starting to get along. You're like, yeah, it's good. My mama don't lie. I mean, he- she loves everyone. <laughs> That's amazing. So uh, I want to finish on this because I think patience is an amazing thing to tie to education and everything. Um, and then you said something about, uh, you know, gratitude, curiosity, patience. And it reminds me of, there's an Adam Grant study recently on resilience and it was focused mostly around loss, but I found one that was um, around jobs. And his argument that was fascinating was, if we're in a world in 10 to 20 years that the things increasing are the frequency in which you change jobs, the frequency in which you lose jobs, and the amount of jobs you have at one time, then people today, he was saying the argument today is, Everyone rushes to say, go learn a new skill. But what needs to happen is you have so much purpose derived from your career that if you don't say, how do I find purpose again? How do I discover a community of people to do that discovery with, to then decide to go learn a skill and how fast you can learn that resilience engine? That if you don't train yourself to be resilient, you're actually not gonna succeed in the next economy. And that was like, I was like, whoa, like, and then I look at, you know, every person that applies for a job, I'm like nine months, like seven jobs, nine months each. I'm like, geez. But I guess like, you know, if we come become a skills based, I just think of this like skills based world versus this world based on signaling theory, which is kind of the past, like job job market signaling theory. You're an economist. You probably know Michael Spence and all that stuff. Um, And I just, do you think about it in a way of uh, like general skills? and being great at a bunch of things or do you think you are still picking a degree in 15 years to have an economy like an economics degree oh interesting yeah yeah i think about it less about like going specific on it on I, I think it's like a gathering of different skills to maybe solve specific problems but the problem is more about it that's that's so interesting i think where we're gonna le- what we're gonna learn is more how to solve problems and how to leverage different open source things that exist yeah. and p- piece them together to come up with solutions. So it's probably, you're right. It's not going to be 
I am a major in economics. It's going to be, I'm solving a bunch of types of problems and I may be tying, you know, bio statistics in with like, you know, drones with like something else. And I'm just, I'm, I'm figuring out how to piece different disciplines together. I think you can be way more cross-disciplinary. Like the notion of a single major, yeah. a major, I think you're totally right. That's that's going to change. Do you think economics or improv is more valuable at Stanford for you? For me, improv. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I mean, I, I... It's like, I, and you can do improv anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So going on, you're at a company called A Company. First off, was the name created to trick everyone? <laughs> so that you're like, ooh, if we say a company that everyone who says, hey, have you heard of this company? <laughs> a com like everyone just ends up saying your name? Like, how did the name start? <laughs> well, I, actually, originally the name was Touchbase. Um, and then I think the notion was... There, there were a number of, um, so I'm not on the, I wasn't on the founding team with, with Amy and Matias and Ryan, but they went through a lot of different like versions of it and touch base was one of them. But I think they nailed down a company eventually because it was this notion of we're going to be your chief of staff and quite a, accompany you through your, um, all of the different things that you need in your career. And we had this little dog logo that you're wearing on your t-shirt right now. Um, is it a dog or a fox? I had an argument. About he's this a dog. Night. He's really? a, he's a, a Shiba Inu. I, I, <laughs> I bowed down in the argument last night that it was a fox and I was like, fine, it's a fox. I don't even know. My son thinks it's, it's a cat. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on, sorry. um, but yeah, so, so yeah, basically that was the, that's where the name came from. It is, it is, there are the challenges of it. Like at some point when someone remember, once you teach someone that it's not a company, it's like a firm, right? Yeah. Mike, Max Lovechin's company, Max Lovechin's firm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, so it's, it's, it's eventually like people remember it, but it, it is, there are challenges with I it. I didn't know it was sure. that. That's actually, that that's helpful. Like I wanted to accompany you through this next thing you're going through or accompany you along the way. I never thought about it. I was like, are they morphing company with ah, uh, and then it's company? Oh, like, yeah. And so in my head, I was like, oh, this is a trick. Because everyone's <laughs> like, have you heard of the com a company? And everyone's like, which company? And you're like, a company. Uh, and it's like, everyone's just saying it. I'm well, like, I'm glad people are saying it. That's yeah, right? fabulous. That's Thank so you. So yeah. how did you even go and get started and get excited about this company? Yeah. Even earlier, like, you're like, I don't use social media and stuff. But then you're, you're like, I think I can see that you want to be very like uh, good with your time and being patient and putting stuff away. So if you can aggregate all this stuff and save me time, then it's great. That's basically it. So the reason why I don't use this other stuff is because I, I don't, I find that I get caught in these horrible holes of like lost time and productivity. And there's this whole, it's like putting Bieber on. <laughs> more, more Bieber. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's just like, the, the whole FOMO that's inspired and that people are putting on these sort of fake airs sometimes on social media, like yeah. just like, you know, um, trying to show that life is one. And, and there's just this like con constant trying to one up each other that I don't like. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't find it authentic or sincere and I don't think mass messages to everyone. Like I don't communicate that way. I communicate and yeah. one-on-one -on -one with, I like, a, I still like phone calls <laughs> or texts or hanging sure. out. Um, and so, so that's just, that's me. And it's funny. It is funny that I'm working in a space, but it's exactly for that reason. It's because there's so much noise. Yeah. And so our company is trying to help people who have too much noise, who don't have enough time. Like literally I'd have to schedule bathroom breaks when I was at, at Square. 
um, into my calendar, not because like Square's an inhumane place to like, it's a wonderful place to work. Like I loved being there, but I was pregnant and I was back to back and I like led a bunch of different teams. And so I literally had to put bathroom breaks on my calendar. And so then we wouldn't schedule every like half of it. Um, and so, and so I just, there was no time. And so with this whole idea of trying to distill things down for people and make them smarter, and I want to stay in touch with all of the people from my life. Like I want to know what they're up to. And so I, part of me would keep getting drawn to Twitter or Facebook or whatever, LinkedIn to see what people were up to, but then I, it just was too much. And so my product's delivering it. Our product is delivering it to me. I like that you say my and correct to R. You're like, I'm a leader here. I need to say our product, but I'm so in love with it that I say my. Yeah, like, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 it take ownership because it's, yeah, it's something we, we all work on at, at our, we just, we love what we're doing. Tell me about it. Give everyone a little elevator pitch just so we have a context. Yeah, totally. So um, we're, we've been basically building a data platform um, for the last three years of people and companies. So companies, so we scour the web. Um, billions of pages on the web and create profiles of, of humans, of Shane Mack. Um, and we make sure that... <laughs> it's not my real last name, by the way. Mackenzie. No. No? What is it? Maximo. Oh, wow. Maximovich is really oh, from... Oh, are you Slavic? From, yeah, yeah, Slavic. Yeah. And then at Ellis Island, they dropped the MAC, put on an MC. Or dropped the MAX, put on an MC. Dropped the ICH at the end and it became Maximo, which makes no sense. So then I had ShaneMaximov.com about 10 years ago and everyone's like, I cannot spell that. And I was like, well, Max easier. Then it just became a thing, but oh, some early interesting. Name. Sorry, go on. Tell me more. It's a good name. It's a good stage name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was actually because of music. They were like, uh, no one knows. Yeah, change your last name. So <laughs> my husband and I joke that if I ever become a country singer, how can I do that with my last name? But maybe I'll be the first Iranian American country singer. Yeah. <laughs> You're, it, what are you talking about? This is what I do. You're either Tanya Hawk or Tanya Boss. <laughs> we got this is done. This is this is country music naming in a box. <laughs> You're probably Tanya Boss. Yeah, okay. Then, I heard the, the boss. Like, yeah, oh, maybe even Tanya. Oh, Tanya. Sorry, <laughs> maybe, shit. No, I'm Tanya, but oh, like I would be. I nervous. I was like, oh, I got it wrong. <laughs> but if I'm a country, I might be Tanya. It's Tanya Tucker. Tanya. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on, sorry. <laughs> um, so many people are so offended right now. Um, so, so... So yeah, so basically, um, where were we? You bring it all together and you said Shane Mack. I did say That's Shane Mack, exactly. Totally so we started going through um, through our profiles. So basically we build profiles on people and on companies where we'll have news on you, what you've been tweeting, you love to tweet. Um, we're, we're the opposite on social media. Um, I'm but, a whore, you're not. It's basically the <laughs> No, balance. it's that you're like, you're good at it. I wish I was good at it. But I, I try not to have FOMO and I try to be one-to-one mostly. And if I, I say something, it's usually like, what's fucked, not what's cool. Yeah. We have an internal motto here called what's fucked. All of our, uh, our stand-up all hands and the daily customer call that the team does are called what's fucked. And then my all hands is called no for real what's fucked. Oh, That's it. That. And it actually changed a lot of tone. And when everyone starts out with optimistically looking at what's fucked, yes. you can't go anywhere else. No, you <laughs> It's can't. actually been one of those incredible like... We have three mantras. No, they on Santa Fe. What's fucked? And love problems, not solutions. Yeah. Which is yeah. another Adam Grant thing. Yeah, People totally. say, don't bring me problems. 
bring me solutions. He studied that like it's the worst thing to do. Yeah, totally. And then everyone gets nervous and by themselves tries to solve a problem it, and is scared to bring him up. Exactly. So, so Sorry, we're totally We were off, supposed to be talking about a company. We should me, probably like do the company. Give me the profile. <laughs> give me the pitch. So here's the pitch. We, um, we've built this data platform um, on with and built hundreds of millions of people profiles and tens of millions of company profiles. And basically what we're doing is allowing you to search for any company or person and get all the details on their news, their bio, um, what they've been tweeting all in one place, past email history with them, any notes you made so that you're briefed um, for any meeting that you have. So we actually deliver you dossiers on the meetings that you're going to have for the day. Uh, with new people, we have a news feed that's curated um, for your contacts. So not just like random people who are sending, putting stuff out there, but the people that we actually think matter to you, that you're either meeting with soon or that we detect are super important and we're serving you content. So kind of the serendipitous excuses to reach out. Yeah. Um, and then, so if you're a salesperson, you love it because you get you get to see if there's been a reorg and you should kind of reach out to these companies. Uh, if you're just a person wanting to stay in touch and in tune with your, with your no- network and your social graph, like you can do that. Um, Give me your two favorite stories that you personally have loved that because of your company made it possible one personal one business one that like changed something in your personal life where you ended up actually following up at the right time that led to something amazing and then maybe one story that like probably changed your business led to new business or something else yeah so i mean this is interesting so like one of the one of the main things for me is and it's it's actually not a specific moment it's been it's happened multiple times cool so there are people um that i totally forgot existed in the world like like just not because I agree. <laughs> It's the, but it's the, it's the like honest truth. Of it's today. the honest truth. And I'm not going to name any names here, but because of our product, like some news has come up on a couple of people. So someone, um, just moved to a new country and actually started a business and got a bunch of fundraising. And I didn't even, I didn't know they moved into like an entrepreneurial role. I didn't know they moved countries and I reached out. And like, since then we've had so many really wonderful like conversations and it just totally opened a whole, like, I forgot I love this person, but I love this person. Um, and it, and it's happened, um, with a couple other colleagues who've actually massively changed positions. I've reached out and actually we might be able to do a deal. Um, so it's just, it's made me so much more like instead of that impending guilt of like, Oh my God, what am I missing in the world? And of my people, like multiple times, I basically feel like I could just count on my product to save my ass and basically tell me what the heck is happening with these people. So that's, that's me personally. Um, from a from kind of more of a business standpoint, and it's actually awesome when you're about to meet with, uh, like during the political kind of um, stuff that was going on. I mean, stuff's still going on every day. Um, but during all of the stuff I that won't was say happening. Paris. Go on. <sighs> Just go on. Wait, this, that's a different, why, that's a different show. That's the it's Howard a diff- Stern show. It's a it's different like show. Going. It's a different show. We can go there if you want. I mean, tell me how you feel about Paris and the climate. Uh, like ruling disgusted, yeah. disgusted like that. I'm like happy to put on every social media yeah. <laughs> out there. Just like it's, um, this is your Twitter. This is your, twi- <laughs> your resurrection. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's absolutely horrifying. But, um, but the point is, um, during the election there were, it was so divisive, including within my family and people I know. And so it was really helpful to know the context of being able to see someone's tweets super quickly within their profile before a meeting, like within one tap from my calendar, I don't have time between meetings. 
within my calendar, open up the thing, see who they are, see what they're saying about the election. Because then, not that I'm going to lie about my beliefs, but I just didn't put my foot in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. It's like learning not to talk about politics or religion when you live in Bartville, Illinois, if you're not part of those politics or religion. I'm from a tiny town that was all employed by Caterpillar. So most of my town is a vote for Trump and I'm friends with them and I love talking to them about it. And it's interesting. Yeah, totally. Like I didn't. Do you guys tell I mean, we me like if it's country, dim- We like country music. Love country. Like guess who? <laughs> like, you know, like that's, that's sure. how it is. Yeah. So do you tell me if it's Democrat or Republican in my profile? I don't. I don't. But, but um, we could. I mean, I suppose we could if we had that, that data source. We could tell you. And if people have a public... Um, you know, we could scrape public campaigns, for example, or something like that. Yeah. Ingest those public sources. We ingest all the, the sources. This comes more from social media and the fact that um, our, your Twitter profile is embedded there. Cool, because you could you could look at Facebook Twitter graph if I follow people, and then yeah. you have those classified, and you could just you wouldn't have to assume and make a like a preemptive thought, but you could say Shane follows Barack. Yeah. Or someone else follows a Republican senator from, you know, Minnesota. Right. Some of the things we we can definitely use from Twitter. Uh, Facebook's API requires, um, you know, connections and, and certain types of things. Like both both have their own nuances. But yeah, yeah, that that is the type of stuff that's. We're just basically trying to distill all of the insight that you need for any meeting with a company or a person into like, just just making it so easy for you that it's just at your fingertips and one click everything you need is there so that's hard yeah. we're not there yet like you want to do i mean we've talked about sentiment analysis and like seeing how people email and so you can get their tone you can understand their mood when you're going into a meeting like how are they feeling about you you can i mean we could do so many things um we're not we're not doing those things yet right now it's very much like kind of the news and even there though it's amazing our profiles for the top kind of c-suite executives and um and board of directors, those, those people aren't on LinkedIn. They're not creating their own polished profiles. And so like our coverage for those folks is phenomenal. So especially for the executives right now, it's, um, our product, like basically, because we're building these, these profiles on our own. Right. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, so that's basically what we're doing. And, uh, so for you, you're in charge of growth. Yes. What does growth mean to you when like, in through your lens of growing. Yes. So right now, because we're still really young, I, I'm, I'm in charge of growth and product marketing. And so I actually say like, sorry, I didn't mean to describe no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 but it's good. But it's good because I actually think at this stage of a company, when you're that early, the, the two go hand in hand, this stage of a company, uh, the stage of a company's company. Well, yeah, I saw what you yeah. did there. Um, so basically, basically like I think a lot of it is actually working super closely with product and figuring out, what is the magic of the product that we're building that we want to eventually grow and scale? So part of what growth means, of course, is like, you know, um, there, there are all the R frameworks and, you know, acquisition and activation and retention and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, doing the stuff, getting the metrics, understanding all those things in place. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is build a product that people love, people use, people want to pay for. And, um, we're still in that, in that earlier phase where we have the product basically there and we're kind of, we're kind of figuring out what is the, 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 what are all the perfect pieces so that when we are ready to scale, um, and go into GA, we're still in beta. Uh, that's where I think a lot more of the traditional growth stuff will be happening, but I'm like plugging sign up flows, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Totally. Do you find today, I'm not sure. I'm actually curious. Um, 
people when you aggregate all of these profiles together about people and I was joking earlier about it being a stalker tool uh, which I that's like that's what the internet has become like you just can find anyone and putting it all in one place it's like here's everything about Tanya um, do you find that people sentiment now is like this this isn't scary at all having all this data in one place bringing all these sources together um, and even I'm cool with that for myself or you find kind of people are still like I need this is have everything a little scared a little hesitant like what's the sentiment today in 2017 around like how people see you online see my see a company specifically or see no, see themselves one, see themselves like, yeah I think people people are often surprised when they see their profiles and they're like oh where did all this data come from? It's yeah. like, like, it's like exactly what you're doing right now. You're, you're, I mean, I don't even put much out there and, and you're like, where did all of that come from? It's, it's all public. We're yeah, literally yeah. taking public sources. Um, and so I think when people see it all in one place, it, it, for some people it's jarring. Some people are very intentional about how they're, how they're kind of, curating and you know creating their own presence yep. so I think that they're very aware of what's happening and in fact they'll say oh I changed that bio you know you need to whatever whatever so <laughs> so there there are both I change LinkedIn <laughs> weekly yeah please <laughs> I found a, a random Twitter bio generator yesterday and I loved it oh that's good you're just like oh change my bio like it just randomly put like adjectives and <laughs> phrases together it's like love dogs like <laughs> It was amazing. Yeah, that's perfect. You, you yeah. could totally do it to my account. I wouldn't even notice. Um, <laughs> I just, so basically, so basically I think that, that I think, especially when you go culturally too, I think in Europe, there's much more data privacy and, and people are really concerned about, you know, right, right to know and having themselves removed. So you see that in Europe for sure. And within the United States as well. So um, I don't, I think 2017 is, is a moment of tension and I don't think we, I think they're, we're kind of, we're getting over the humps and things. And I think we're, I mean, with all of these kind of, um, you know, phishing scams and, and all of the stuff that's happening with cybersecurity, like, di like all that information, it's, um, it's scary what can happen to it. And so I think people are right to be concerned about privacy and data, but also about, you know, infosec. Um, and so that is another area that I think we're all just trying to wrap our heads around and you see very valid concerns out there you're so popular i know i have to go in two minutes no no it's good oh yeah 210 so closing so last thing then take me out five years if you had a dream for what this product's doing in five years for you what would it be and you were like this is the best damn product i've ever used i can't believe this exists in the world in 2022 yeah it's um it's doing things that I didn't tell it to do. So it's basically, it's so smart. It's truly accompanying me and it's making me a better human. So I have all these people in my life, family, my husband, um, my children now, whatever, like friends, professional contacts from different parts. And I just, all I do is feel bad about how I'm balancing all my time. And if this tool is telling me intelligently how like where I should be spending time what I should be doing who I should be seeing how I should be reaching out not in a creepy way but it's so intelligent and it's and it's it's truly a chief of staff or an assistant to me that is just so thoughtful and um that that would be awesome um and being able to help we talked about education and all of that like the reality is of opportunity and exclusivity and all that kind of stuff that we're talking about like a lot of deals and a lot of things happen with the same groups of people because it's like you go to the school and you network with the people and then these, the deals happen and all that kind of stuff. 
If we can teach people to be better at cultivating relationships and being professionals and following up on things and, you know, kind of just, just being better about that kind of stuff. Like a lot of people may be able to, to move forward in their own careers if we're coaching them. That's amazing. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I'm rooting for you from the sidelines. Thanks Shane. I think so much about what you're doing is what you just said there, like making people better. It's almost like you have to teach people to be givers, not takers. And that alone is people I'll send. I'll be like, look, there's news about this person. You should say, you know, rock on. I wish like Logan is an investor from Lyft and I going to see him at three 30 today. You know why I followed up with them? Cause on Friday on a company, there was an article that said Logan should be CEO of GM. Like GM should buy Lyft. And he, sh- and I like, yeah. quoted it to him. I was like, you should be CEO. And he's like, how funny. And he was like, let's catch up when we're catching up. And like, that is all because of your product. That's awesome. And people are like, well, why it. would I follow up for no reason? I'm like, that's the whole point. Yeah. And people just don't. But I think you can make everyone givers, not takers, and like change the world with what you're doing. That's such a nice way of saying it. So thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Shane. Thank you. Bye. Bye.